Thank you for checking out the Warehouse Church Podcast. We would love to connect with you. Take a moment and visit us at warehousechurch.com. Wherever you are, we hope this message encourages you today. Now, here's Pastor Ed. I want to talk to you today about what your kryptonite is. We're in the series called Heroes. And, um, you know, one of the things that you'll know about heroes, we talked about how they save the day the superpowers that they have and so forth. But one of the things that you know about heroes, they always have this weakness of some kind. You know, they have this thing that, that they have to fight, whether it's their past or whether it is, you know, like you saw in that video, some real, and we had this imported from Krypton, a real piece of kryptonite live in this church service today. So if you want to know if you're allergic to kryptonite, you can, you can kind of hold this a little bit and see if this has the weakening effect that kryptonite had on Superman. Thank you for making that, Gary. But, um, you know, one of the things, uh, when you think about kryptonite, if we were, you know, trying to make a biblical application to this, and, and I want to I read a story for you out of Matthew chapter 14 in just a minute. Um, when you think about what your kryptonite is, what is the thing that, 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 that you, you struggle with or... Um, the thing that you have to be very, very careful of. And if you were to list some maybe different sins or different fears, some of our students did a great job of talking about uh, some of the things that they're fearful of. Uh, maybe you would say gossip or anger or telling the truth or maybe uh, something like pornography or disobedience or, or self-loathing. I mean, there could be a lot of things uh, that you struggle with personally that you would call your kryptonite. But I want to be very specific this morning, and I want to talk about fear. Let me ask you something. I want you to think back on your life, uh, as short as it is or as long as it is for others, and we're not going to be specific. We're not going to point older people out this morning, okay? But uh, what is name? I want you to think of something that, was, that you would call the scariest moment of your life. And I was listing these things out the other day in my room. I remember when I was a young boy playing junior high football. Uh, it was on a weight team. I was 125 pounds at 11, 12 years old, and the youngest you could play on the 125-pound team was 11 years old. And I remember being the youngest guy on the team, and a lot of the other guys were 15 and 16, and every week I would be so afraid. We had three practices a week and games on Saturdays, and I was so afraid because because I was the youngest and because I was a little chunky, uh, the guys on our team liked to pick on me a lot. And I remember specifically riding in the back of a, you think I was, I was living in Texas doing this, but on the way to my ball games, we would ride in the back of a pickup truck, and I would sit against the gate, and those guys would spit on me the whole time and flick their spit at me and tell me if I did anything that they would, they would beat me up after practice. And they did a couple times until my dad came to practice one day, and that changed everything. It was wonderful. But I remember that fear, you know, but I pinpointed I, I, I kind of made a list, and I'm gonna, I, I, I remembered what the scariest thing that ever happened in my life was. And it happened about, um, I guess it was about 20 years ago, maybe 18 years ago. I took 25 college students on a missions trip to Cambodia. And we were flying from uh, Los Angeles Airport to Cambodia. And over the, the, the Pacific Ocean, the... Uh, the captain of the plane gets on the plane and he says, we're going to have some turbulence here. We need everybody back in their seats, bucking your seatbelts. And I was, you know, I was sitting where I was supposed to. I had my seatbelt on. And then it started to get real shaky. And then he said something else in a foreign language. I think we were on a Chinese 
operated airline, and he talked to the stewardesses about kind of get to your seats down. You see all these stewardesses just kind of run around, and, and they sat down real fast, and they buckled up. And I was sitting in what's called a bulkhead seat, which was kind of has a little bit more leg room. And directly across were the seats that would fold down for the stewardesses, okay? And I remember these two stewardesses sat down, and they put their heads down between their legs. Now, that says something bad's about to happen, right? So they put their head down, and then I don't know how long it was. I can't give you the specifics or the, or, or the, uh, um, the, the true distances, but this is what it felt like. We had, uh, in the plane we're in, we did a free fall, which, which felt like it was about a mile. Probably wasn't that far, but I'd say it was at least 2,000, maybe 3,000 feet. We dropped, woof, and while we were dropping, the stewardess across from me starts screaming. When the stewardess is scared, it's pretty serious, okay? Because this is what they do for a living. And then her friend next to her, and we're kind of, we're shaking around, we're dropping. I'm going, God, I don't want to die yet. Lord, not on a missions trip. Is that even possible? You know, I'm kind of going through that whole thing. Lord, take care of my wife and my kids and la, 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 la. This is going to be it. You know, make it quick and painless or whatever. And I remember the stewardess across from me that kind of kept her act together with the one that was not crying. She was screaming. She leans over and grabs her shoulders. It's like, and starts shaking the sense into her, which I don't think helped her out at all. Probably scared her a little bit more. And then out of nowhere, it just like it, it stopped and we got smooth. And the drink carts came up again. Now, they were offering free drinks for all that had happened, but I was on a missions trip, and I couldn't do that, you know. So, But, man, I want to tell you something. That two to three minutes felt like about 30 minutes, you know. You, you just have no control. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what your future is going to look like. And, and I want to talk to you about a story out of the book of Matthew, chapter 14, when Jesus a uh, very famous story about when Jesus walks on the water. Now, if you read earlier in that chapter, two very significant things happen. Earlier in Matthew chapter 14, John the Baptist, uh, who Jesus loved very dearly, was arrested and he was beheaded. And then when Jesus kind of found out about that, the Bible says he went out a little bit to rest a while. But as he was getting on a ship to rest, all these people gathered and then we read about the miracle just after this tragic thing took place in John the Baptist's life and had this huge impact on the disciples and on Jesus himself. Um, the, the Bible says that Jesus went out to a place and rest and just people started gathering. And the Bible tells us that Jesus fed 5,000 people there that day with just a little bit of food. We talked about that last week about how we're like the disciples and we get to distribute God's blessings of, of the story of Jesus Christ, just like our students did telling their friends and, and their friends coming to Christ because of their relationship with Christ. What a, what a neat thing to hear that. But Jesus feeds the 5,000. And you know what? Jesus, being 100% God, was also 100% man. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. He does, he's not 200%. Well, that's what he was. He had all the attributes of a man, but he still kept his perfection uh, of being God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he was tired. And the Bible talks about how he left. Uh, the disciples get on this boat. Jesus went to kind of take a break, maybe talk to the Lord, have some prayer time, refresh himself a little bit. He sent the disciples uh, ahead of him. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him on the other side. When he dismissed, after he dismissed the crowd, uh, after he dismissed them, 
he went up into the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. And the Bible says it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. They hit one of those crazy, crazy storms. Now, geographically, if you, if, if you understand where this, where this body of water was between the mountains, a lot of big wind gusts went through right there. When there was bad weather, it was kind of made worse because of the wind, the rain, the, 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 the waters were very rough. When it says buffeted, that means the water was beating against the boat. It was a very serious, uh, scary situation where, where any of us would have been scared. How many of you have been out far or uh, deep sea fishing before? Raise your hand up in the air. That made my top five fears, deep sea fishing. I went deep sea fishing 70 miles off the coast of northeast Florida. And when the, when the, when the uh, captain of the ship, and it was only about a 20-foot boat, really, it wasn't a ship. When the captain stopped, we, the boat was doing this. He said, hey, the water's going to be a little choppy today. I hope you took some Dramamine. And I emptied myself from my mouth about 11 times over the next eight and a half hours deep sea fishing. I will never, ever go deep sea fishing again. That's not a lesson I had to learn twice. I was really scared. So that's what was happening to the disciples. They were afraid. You know, the, the, the waves, the wind was beaten up against the boat. And then the Bible says in verse number 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. I mean, it's just a sentence like it's just a normal thing here. He went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw it was him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind and was afraid, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. There was another time where Jesus had calmed the waters when they were in a boat in the same kind of a situation. And Jesus said, peace be still. And the disciples made this comment, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? It just speaks into the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what I, wanna, I, want, I want you to focus on this morning is this question. What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid of? Um, it's okay, honeybee, that you were afraid of speaking in public. Most people are. It's very normal. Don't feel different because of that. That's a pretty normal thing. And you really like when I talk directly to you in front of the whole church. I'm very, very sure of that. But it's true. I mean, hi, hey, let's, make, let, let, let's help Mariana feel a little better this morning. How many of you would say, I have some fear of speaking in public? Raise your hand up in the air. So you're in good company. Okay, that's, that's just about all of us. But I want you to think about the thing that, you're a, that, that, that you fear in your life. And there's a couple of things about fear we can understand that, that draw such a strong emotion inside of us. Number one... Our fears are rooted in our inability to predict the future. That's when we get really fed, fearful because we, we don't have control. You know, we want to have control over the situation, over what's going on. When I was in that airplane, I was very afraid because I was unable to predict my future. What's going to happen in the next hour of my life? And we, are we going to land in Cambodia safely? Is this going to be the last couple? I mean, this, that, it was something I was quite afraid of. And the disciples were very afraid too. But here's the thing about the disciples. They were in a boat, which they were very familiar with because most of them were fishermen. They had traveled by boat before. It was something they had, had all done before. 
But this had to be some really kind of terrible storm in their life to make them this fearful, uh, even in this familiar place. So they were fearful because uh, their inability to predict the future. And, and it's like that for us. It's hard to see what's happening in front of us when we're in a place of fear. When we go through different storms, like, like for instance, the storm of a broken relationship. When you're in the storm of a broken relationship, it's, it, it's hard to see, it's hard to predict what's going to happen next because we don't have control. When you're in the storm of an overwhelming sickness, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We want the doctor to say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. We want them to be very sure of what our future looks like. But, but that, that's not what it's like. And, and we're not able to predict the future, so, so we get very fearful. How about the storm of a job loss or financial distress? How about the storm of wayward kids? Boy, that's, a, that's something that the parents would say they're very fearful of continually. Uh, and I would agree with that 100% as, as a dad. Uh, the storm of personal failure. How many have ever failed before? Raise your hand up in the air. I failed. And, and those storms are scary because when you're, when you're facing your own failure, that certainly puts you in a place of fear because you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, the storm of the unknown. Uh, you guys are going to go through a storm in a couple weeks. Some of you are going into a new grade. Uh, some of you are going into a new school. That's kind of scary. You know, if you're going into the same grade, maybe you're not as afraid, but that's another message we'll share with you later, you know. But if you're going into a new school or, 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 or a new grade or you're going to meet new friends and you're afraid that you're the only one that's going to look that way and you're the only one that's going to talk that way. Uh, one of the girls uh, gave testimony of uh, when we first went to camp, I thought it was going to be them with them and them with them. And, but what I understood was even though we're, we're a little bit of a different color and we speak a different language, we all got to be friends. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of adults that can learn from that statement that you made. It was very good. I'm trying to figure out who it was. It was you in the purple, wasn't it? That was awesome. Daisy. Ashley. Okay, I'm sorry. I won't do names anymore. But we all go through storms. And the funny thing is the storms that you face now, I want to say something to you students. The storms that you face now, and maybe you think, man, when I'm an adult, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. That's not true, is it? It just isn't true because we still lack that ability to predict our future. Something else that, that uh, makes fear such a strong, strong emotion, our fears are accelerated by our inability to protect the future. Uh, I think this is where a lot of parents would say, uh-huh, I'm with you right there, you know. Because I want all my kids to do this, this, and this, so that this, this, and this will happen. Everything will turn out fine. But I don't have control over that. I can't control the way other people treat them. I can't control uh, things in our community. I can't control every part of their life. Um, my family and I went through a fearful thing a couple years ago. About six months after we came to the church, I was doing this message. And some of you will remember this. It uh, didn't happen in church, happened after church, but I did a message called the wordless message, and I was, and, and the entire message, uh, I didn't speak one time, I just held up cards with verses on it and stuff, that's all we did, and I took my daughter, Emily, and Jenna, her friend, um, and my wife, we went to Chipotle afterwards, and on the way home from Chipotle, I had a real bad pain in my chest, and what happened is I had a heart attack, and it was really weird, because I'd never felt anything like that before. Felt like a knife was going right through the middle of my chest. My arm got numb and, and tingly. And I said to Kim, I said, I don't think this is happening, but so something's happening. We need to go to the doctors. And then it got progressively worse over the next 15 minutes. And by the time we got to the hospital, um, 
the doctor took me up to the ER, and I wasn't even in that hospital for 10 minutes, and they said, we're going to scope up your leg, you're going to be fine, don't worry about it, you'll be out in about 30 minutes, and we'll tell you what's going on, but you're going to be fine, don't worry, and they put me under, and then the doctor went and talked to Kim, and I was out for about an hour and a half, and for that next hour and a half, that was pretty scary for her, you know, uh, what's, what's our future look like? And, and that fear was accelerated because she was not able to protect her future. You know, the unknown, what's going to happen? What's, what's going to go on? Of course, when I woke up, everything was fine. They did the work. They put the stint in. The doctor looked at me, and he said, hey, you're now seeing the right light at the end of the tunnel. He literally said that to me, you know. And, 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 and as we talked about it a little bit, he told me how serious it was and how fortunate I was. But that was kind of a scary thing. I went to the room like, oh, I guess I'm okay. I'll go home tomorrow. And as soon as I get to my room, the big boohoo session started with the girls and all. But it was a scary thing. And life's like that sometimes, you know, when, when we can't protect, you know, and we want to protect, and I want to be prepared, and because of that, I have a dear friend that's in this room to help me get all my affairs in order if something was going to happen uh, in the future with my insurance, am I this, am I this, am I this, but you know what, as much as I want to have control, I don't have control. I can eat better, I can exercise more, I could do this, I could set up our affairs the way that they're supposed to be set up, but I'm not promised anything more than the day that I'm living, and that's the same for all of us. But we want this thing, and we forget that, that we really aren't the ones in control. Now, we're supposed to be responsible, and we're supposed to take care of our business and all those different things. But the fact of the matter is Ed Trinkle is not in control of Ed Trinkle's life. God Almighty is. And sometimes that's hard for me to surrender that because I want control because of what? Not because I'm, I, I think I'm smarter than God. I want control. You know what that's based on? Fear. Because when we don't know what we're getting ourselves into, it can be very, very scary. Peter was brave to step out into the stormy waters. But when he began to sink, he felt like he was losing control and there was an uncertainty in his future. And the only thing he knew to do, now, now I love the story that, 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 that's told here, and we could focus on Peter's bravery. He was the only guy that got out of the boat. But I think Peter's wisdom was shown just as much when he began to sink and he cried out to the Lord for help. And I want to tell you, church, even though that's a scary place to be, there's no safer place you can be than to cry out to God for help. He wants to be there for you. He wants you to cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares about the big gigantor things that happen in your lives, and he cares about the first day that you go into ninth grade. He cares about all of us. So how can I conquer my fear? Let me give you a couple thoughts about this this morning. How can I conquer my fear? Well, let's do what Jesus said. The first thing is this. Take courage in someone greater than you. He said in verse number 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage don't be afraid. That's, that's tough for us because we, we face our fears. Listen, there's something you're going to be afraid of every single day. Uh, one of my daughters uh, will talk about one of the most fearful moments in their life when we were missionaries in the Philippines. Um, we, I had this Isuzu trooper and had two little seats in the back that were kind of makeshift seats and they were really neat. And they were sitting in the back of the, uh, of the trooper and Christina yells out, Dad, there's a spider. I was like, just kill it. It's the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. And she was afraid. 
I said, Christine, I'm not stopping a car to kill the spider. Take your shoe off and whack it. I'm not going to do that, Dad. It won't kill that spider. It's the biggest spider. And she was pitching a fit in the back. Now, she was about 11 or 12 years old at the time, maybe 12 or 13, something like that. So I was real frustrated. I slammed the car, opened the door, and we got home. I said, what is a stupid spider you're afraid of? It was like this big. It was the biggest spider I'd ever seen in my life. She jumped out of that car so fast that she looked at me. I told you! Didn't talk to me for about a week, but, you know, we've, we've worked through it and had some counseling since then. That was a real fear for her. And we face fears like that every single day. We face fears driving. We face fears when we walk to the mailbox. I wonder if it's coming today. Oh, it's here. Got to take care of that, right? We face you know, I, I, I still have a little bit of a fear going to the doctors. I'm 51 years old. There's some things that I haven't done yet that I'm supposed to do as a 51-year-old guy that I scheduled for January. I'm not real excited about that. I'm afraid of that kind of stuff. I, really, I have a fear of that. And even though those things seem silly, there's much, much bigger things that we fear in our lives. And where do we take those things? Jesus says, take courage. I'm here. I'm going to walk through this with you. Now, there's no guarantee that we're going to live to be 100. There's no guarantee that that health issue is just going to automatically go away. There's no guarantee that we'll never be afraid to talk in public again. There's no guarantee that ninth grade is going to be easy, that 10th grade is going to be easy, that when you're a junior, it's going to be easy, when you're a senior, it's going to be easy. When you go to college, there's no guarantees of any of that stuff. But what we can be guaranteed of, Jesus says, take courage, it's me. He's here. Don't be afraid. I was telling you about my dad when I was a football player, and I used to get beat up all the time. My life changed that day. I was empowered. I told my dad, Dad, I'm quitting football. I hate football. This is stupid. You have to like football. We're Philadelphia Eagles fans. Now, you stop that right now, son, you know. This morning, I was coming out of the office. This building is turning into something really cool. I don't know if you noticed it. There's like four churches that are meeting here now. There's the Amity Church. There's a Korean church. Our Spanish ministry is part of our church. But then there's another church that's going to start meeting on Saturday and a Chinese church. It's really cool. And two guys that were part of the Amity Church had T-shirts. They were standing outside of my office today. And they were watching the Jerry Jones acceptance speech of him going into the Hall of Fame. I said, how can that be anything of God on the Lord's Day, guys? And they looked at me like, are we doing something wrong? I said, yeah, this is a terrible, terrible day. Jerry Jones is being, you know, and they just looked at me. I said, I know, I'm not from here. You'll have to forgive me. And we just started talking for a while, and it was funny. But my dad walked on that, the football field. It was really cool. He had his apron on, roast beef drippings, sweet peppers, and onions. You could smell them from a mile. He wanted to eat them and hug them all at the same time. One of the guys said, that's the biggest man I've ever seen in my life about my dad. Who is that? And I looked at the one kid, and he used to beat the fire out of me. And I said, that's my dad. And then he said something I'll tell you after church if you want to know. You know what I did that day in practice? I tackled really good. I ran at that one dude, and I threw him down one time. And I even got up, and it was like, mm, like that, you know. Because I felt empowered because my dad was there. And I wasn't afraid. And when you feel the presence of God in your life, 
doesn't mean things are going to be automatically easy. It doesn't mean everything's, but you know what? You can be courageous. You can be courageous because he promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. Number two, how can I conquer my fear? Trust Jesus with you today and forever. We heard a lot of these young people say to us earlier, I thought this was true. I thought this was true. But then I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and now I know I'm saved. Now I know I'm saved. And what a great thing to know. And you know what keeps people from, from entering into a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ at times? They're afraid of what people are going to say or think about them. If you, are you ready for this, the kids to the testimonies? Hey, let's give it up for our kids that are giving testimonies. Give them a big hand. Be courageous. Be courageous, guys. We're proud of you guys. Okay. Bali Kapshida, hurry up now. All right, you're good. <laughs> proud of you guys. But there's an interesting dynamic with people, and think about this for a second. There's a very interesting dynamic that we all kind of go through where we'll make a decision, for instance, to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we trust Him with our forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But when we hear stuff about tithing, we go, ooh, that's my money, and God, you don't understand, and we get fearful of that. Or we get fearful of a decision, or we get fearful of surrender, or even we get fearful of maybe perhaps even being baptized, or whatever it is that God's kind of leading you to do. Trust Jesus with you today, and then trust him with forever. Peter trusted God enough to take the first step, but then he trusted him to call out his name when he got into trouble. And you and I that have ever been in trouble know exactly what that means. Here's number three. Don't let your fear of stepping out keep you from missing out. Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with your resources? Do you trust him? Parents, listen. This is probably the biggest thing I'll talk about with fear. Do you trust God with your children? That's easier said than done, isn't it? Do you trust Him with your job? Do you trust Him with your mate? Do you trust Him for the right mate? Do you trust Him with yourself? Trust is such a difficult thing to build up. We had a... Remember when Christina was really little... She was very brave. She would just do stuff that was just much braver than some of the other, her sisters especially, but other kids around her age. And I remember, if you've ever been swimming with your kids, there's that, there's that thing that you do when your kids are walking. When they kind of know what they're doing, you'll get them to stand on the edge of the pool and you'll step back and you'll want them to jump towards you. It's all about that faith thing, right? I want them to trust and I'm not going to let you drown. You're not going to get hurt. And I said that, and I said, Christina, look at me in the eye. You're going to jump off the side of this pool. And when you jump, Dad's going to catch you. I don't want to go underwater. You're not going to go underwater. Your face may get a little wet, but you're going to jump, and I'm going to catch you. Well, Dad, you stand really close. I'm going to reach out my hand, and I want to be able to touch your hand so that I know how close you are, so that I'm not just going to fall in and drown because it's really, really deep water, Dad. It's like up to your shoulders, and it's over my head. And I said, Honey, I want you, when you jump, just to look at me. You just look at me, and you watch me catch you, and you'll know that you can trust me. So the first she just does it, and she, she looks at her mom, and like, if dad drops me, you better do something to him and kill him. You know, she just kind of gives him that look. And she just, and we, and we called her the bombardier, because she just didn't do like a little like sissy jump in. She was like, and she jumped right into me. And I caught her, and it was really cool. So you know what I did? I put her up on the side of the pool. And I took a step back. I said, jump farther now. 
Dad, that's too far. It's not too far. You're the bombardier. You can do this. I'm going to step in and catch you. You're going, to do, you're going to be the bravest swimming girl in the history of all swimming girls. <sighs> oh, Mom, you know, okay, okay. And whoa. And she jumped right out to me, and I caught her. And you know what she could learn? She learned that she could trust me. Fast forward to time, right? That happened when she was about probably four or five. When she was eight, not 16, not 15, when she was eight, we went to the swim club called Hidden Hollow Swim Club. Hidden Hollow had these three platforms. The highest platform was 10 meters. A meter's, a meter's just about four feet. So 10 meters is about 40 feet. So I made Christina climb up there with me. Kim was like, you are not taking her up to that. Honey, she can do this. I'm telling you, she's going to do this. You had to climb the ladder. We had to climb. It wasn't like an escalator or something easy. We had to climb this big steel ladder to go up to each level. So we get up to the top. I said, Christina, look at me. You can do this. She's like, all right, Dad, I can do this. What do I do? I said, all right. When you land, don't have your arms out like this because you'll smack the water and it'll hurt really, really bad. Well, then why are we doing it? Just trust me. Listen. When you land, you got to land like a trip. Your hands by your side. Point your toes. Don't lean up because it'll knock the wind out of you. Dad, why are we doing this? Just trust me. This kind of sounds like child abuse a little bit, I guess. I said, don't lean back because you'll flop on your back. I said, when you go in, you don't even have to jump. You're the bombardier, but you don't have to jump. Just step off. And you'll be the bravest girl. I want you to look out. All the girls. And we had about 100 kids swimming. It was the night before camp from our youth department. Junior high kids, senior high kids, families from our church. I said, look, all those girls are wusses. And you're not afraid of this. No, I'm not afraid. I'm afraid a little. I know, but you can do this, Christina. I said, now dad's going to go first. And you remember when I caught you in the water when you were little? Yeah, I remember that. I'm not going to let you get hurt. I'm going to be right there in the water. As soon as you land, I'm going to make sure you're okay. And this is going to be one of the funnest. She said, this is fun. I said, honey, trust me. It's going to be one of the funnest things you've ever done in your life. And I jump. Ah, you know, half the water comes out of the pool. And then I turn around. I said, come on, Christina, you got it. And she looked at me. She didn't look at her mom mad this time. She said, I got this. And she went. to the top, and she goes, yeah! She was so pumped. And I went over to Katie. I said, Katie, she said, don't even think about it. So it was done then. We were, we were done then. Katie wasn't as brave. But you know what? With each faith, that little tiny step Peter took, I think his faith was stronger when he cried out to the Lord when he was sinking, and he reached up, and Jesus pulled him back out of the water again. Two things. It's not wrong to be afraid. It's not wrong. And it's great when you're afraid to know where to turn. What are you fearful of today? Cast all your cares on him. If you're afraid of forever, give him your forever. If you're afraid of today, ask him to guide you today. I love that verse in Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, but it's also a light to my path. If I stay in God's word and I submit to God's word, the Bible teaches us it'll guide me in my life. Not just these little steps, but these big giant decisions that I make in my life. And you know what that helps me do? Conquer fear. 
I, I, when you read the story of Jesus in the garden, and he's praying out to his father, and he says to God, I don't want to do this. Can you let this cup pass from me? Which means this. Could somebody else do this? And I, you know, people will say what Jesus, he was probably afraid of all the physical torture he was going to endure, I'm sure. He was probably afraid for his mother. He was probably afraid for his disciples. But you know what he was fearful of the most? He knew what had to happen in order for us to have forgiveness of sins. He would take every sin that you and I ever committed. And his Father in heaven, the only time in history that this will ever happen, where the Trinity of God was separated because God couldn't look at Jesus because of our sin. And he cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Let me tell you something. Jesus, once you surrender, once you give your life to him, once you're one of his children, will never turn his back on you. So don't be upset at yourself. Don't beat yourself up when you get afraid. Just remember that statement Jesus made. Take courage. I'm here. And he'll help you go through that fearful time of your life. Amen? Let's pray.